How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm doing just fine and the Milwaukee Bucks, they're they're probably also feeling pretty fine even though not exactly the most convincing win against the Charlotte Hornets in their finale, 89 to 79, the Kemba Walkerless uh and Johnny O'Brienless uh Charlotte Hornets, but the Bucks do get the job done, dominate the fourth quarter and Man, the Milwaukee Bucks will have a winning record this year. That's uh, that's 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 pretty cool. Let's let's just say it. That's pretty cool. I would agree. It is very cool. Also, I walked by Job uh, in the tunnel tonight, and I thought about letting him know about the the cult hero that he has become, and letting him know that if there's if there's one fan that he always has, it's me. But I decided that'd probably be a little strange. Yeah, probably a little weird. Yeah. Um, did he? Was he like looking like his usual sort of ER? He head was, down, but he 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 was signing autographs in the like in the little tunnel oh. on the way out. Like Bucks fans were were asking him for autographs, so I guess that's cool. Like shout out to the Bucks fans that were being nice to him. Again, it's probably that autograph is worth next to nothing, but you you could have just <laughs> let him walk by, and instead you actually tried to try to get his autograph. So shout out to all you people. I guess we can get into the sort of standings and playoff scenarios and all that maybe maybe towards the end but do we want to talk a little bit about this game which um was interesting maybe uh did not feature a, a whole lot of that sort of bucks urgency you would have liked to see an interesting game i think i think defensively uh Giannis got taken out of the game in a lot of ways offensively and yet he still ended up with his third triple double of the season uh and chris middleton and greg monroe both playing pretty well um, in uh, Malcolm Brogdon returning, so um, a number of of ways we can probably spin this as a positive one, even if uh, maybe it was not the most aesthetically pleasing night uh, in the world. I'm probably just going to watch the fourth quarter. Um, yep. The rest of the game, you can burn the game film for me. Um, <laughs> I, I would appreciate never seeing it again because, like you said, it, it was a it was a sloppy basketball game. The Hornets obviously didn't have Kemba Walker on the floor, which makes them significantly worse. And the Bucks kind of played down to that level. They, they did not just dominate this team, and they stuck around and they let the Hornets hang out. And then in the fourth quarter, they decided, you know what, we're way better than this team, and outscored the Hornets 28 to 13 in the fourth quarter and in that fourth quarter I thought the big thing to me was just watching the very I think the three the first three possessions of that quarter Giannis goes out gets an assist and essentially does whatever he wants where it's just those moments where you see Giannis do stuff and you think okay yeah he's he's the best he's the best player on the floor by a mile 
and it was one where it was a driving kick. He had rejected the ball screen, went with his left hand, and then threw it over the top to Beasley for a three. Um, he had another pass kind of over his shoulder to Monroe. Then he had another one to Monroe that was a bounce pass, which, it, I mean, that's not a pass we see Giannis throw a lot. It, that that bounce pass to Monroe, that's normally something for, for Middleton, for maybe Brogdon. Uh, but Giannis did a nice job just kind of probing hanging out and waiting for it and then using his length to get it around the defenders and get Monroe a layup. But to me, again, it was one of those sequences, and we've seen these throughout the season, where Giannis just decides, you know what, I'm the best player on the floor, and I'm going to just assert my will right now, and I'm going to go win us the game. And to me, that's exactly what the fourth quarter was. It was interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen any team kind of double and swarm Giannis as much or as effectively as as the Hornets did tonight, we've seen uh, Nickel Batum face guard him 94 feet in the past. Mm-hmm. We've seen, uh, obviously, Michael Kidd Gilchrist has uh, some really good physical tools to guard anybody uh, in who is a forward or wing, and, and even Giannis included. Um, but for me, I don't think it was. I think an interesting thing tonight was just the number of bodies they threw at him more so than just sort of individual guys and what they did. Um, and you know, kind of a weird night with Giannis only going five out of eleven. Um, he was four of seven at halftime. Uh, I think he made his first shot of the second half uh, on a an alley oop dunk, and then uh, just a weird cast. I mean, he got fouled on a on a drive. I mean, I was frustrated because he he was on a a drive and he kind of slipped by. I forget who it was. Might have been Kaminsky, and he airballed a layup. And he's going at Frank Kaminsky, and he airballs a layup. Probably not because of Frank Kaminsky's stellar <laughs> legal defense. Um, but, you know, then missed a couple of jumpers as well, including like a basically an air ball um, jumper. And I don't know, weird, weird night for him offensively. He had four turnovers. But um, as you said, you know, obviously 10 assists, 11 rebounds, um, made some plays and, and was kind of showing uh, showing off the arsenal of passing, which was pretty cool. And probably could have had a number more assists if Greg Monroe could have made, you know, some some point blank shots in the first half. But um, Monroe did pay off a couple uh, important ones early in that fourth quarter and Jason Terry hitting some big big threes um, he had 15 points tonight five boards plus 19 in 21 minutes and I mean it, the, on, on, a, on a home finale night it, it, there's something magical about Jet um, <laughs> getting the crowd high on on Jet Fuel fumes or whatever he was doing because um, he made some really big shots and um, he was obviously a key piece of uh, of the the well, I mean, I has just called a comeback, but it was a comeback. Yeah. Um, they did come back from what they were down five, uh, outscore Charlotte by fifteen in the fourth quarter, uh, and win by ten. So um, you know, lots of guys, kind of number of guys, kind of stepping up. Terry for sure, Monroe seven out of 13, 16 points, nine boards, three assists. Good to see him. Uh, good for a second straight game. And Chris Middleton five out of nine overall, four out of five from. Um, but 15 points and uh, you know similarly Tony Snell had basically the exact same line 16 points also hit four or five threes Um, so good to see Tony once again haunting the Charlotte Hornets yeah it was funny I I didn't think about it during the game but in in post game Jason Kidd mentioned that was kind of the shooting crew and if you guys read what I had written at ESPN Milwaukee the other week about about the belt and how those guys do a shooting competition every day 
those are your three guys that do it with Jason Kidd. Tony Snell, four for five. Chris Middleton, four for five. And Jason Terry, five of seven. Those are... Those are the guys that do the the belt competition that are in the same shooting group every single day and compete with each other after practice and and talk junk and just go back and forth. And uh, it was kind of cool that those guys were were the guys that were hitting all the threes. And, uh, yeah, anytime they go, what is that, 8, 13, 4... 13 for 17, you're going to have a pretty good night. And the, I mean, the rest of the team, not so great. They, they were 16 of 28 on the night from three. Um, so three of 11, otherwise not great, but those guys, I mean, it, there was a point in, in the third quarter where they were shooting, I think 60% from three and Alex Boder, our good friend turned to me and he said, how are they still losing? They're shooting 60% from the three-point line. Like It does not seem possible that you can shoot 60% from the three-point line against a, Kemba, a Kemba-less Hornets team and still be down, and they were. And I think that speaks to how sloppy they were the rest of the way. Um, you mentioned four turnovers from Middleton. Giannis had four turnovers. Brogdon had three turnovers. Um, and Delhi had three turnovers. No, just wait. Excuse me, Delhi was turnoverless, but the the team as a whole just there was turnovers, there was sloppy play, um, and tonight was there was more sequences where I don't even know how to describe them in the NBA, but every once in a while teams will just get a little bit too out of control, and then they'll see the other team do it and decide that they want to do it as well, and they'll just go like three tur- turnovers back and forth, and I think there was at least two of those sequences tonight, if not three, um, where it was just turnover, turnover, turnover uh, between the two teams, and it, it was just so, so sloppy. Um, but I, I like I said before, the fourth quarter is what I'm going to choose to focus on because the third quarter or the first three quarters were so ugly. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was like I said, it was cool to see those guys do it, but especially Jet and uh, Alex said the same thing. Like, there's something very appropriate about Jet playing well on fan appreciation night. Like, is is no one appreciates them more? Uh, no one pumps up the crowd more. No one hops on the scores table more. No one puts their arms out for the jet celebration more like no one appreciates the fans quite like jason terry uh and yeah fan appreciation night of course that would be the night that he starts off five for five from three yeah it's interesting i mean they only finish 102.2 offensive rating tonight uh, 89 points total another snail's pace and only you know score that number of points and, and with that efficiency but 16 turnovers um with obviously not many possessions that's that's not a good number from a turnover perspective and uh, on the flip side the hornets only turned over nine times um hornets only eight out of 13 from line but the bucks only took five free throws all night um i think this was had to be honest as well where he barely played but i'm not sure if he's had any other games where he can get a free throw um, so that was that was strange and you know interesting with the Hornets and we've talked about this how Steve Clifford you think of as a great defensive coach but um, I think they're gonna set an NBA record for most three pointers allowed and attempted this season uh, Charlotte and you know we can kind of see and we talk a lot about the Bucks and their aggressive defense um, Hornets maybe do it a little bit differently but uh, we obviously saw them try to be very aggressive on the ball which was effective in really slowing Giannis down, but um, obviously open shooters for the Bucks all night long. 
and uh, and obviously they made them pay over 16 out of 28 and um, really carried the Bucks to this win. And you know, I think especially towards the end of the season here, um, it did accomplish a couple of things in the sense of Chris Middleton getting hopefully back on track a little bit with his shot, and you got Malcolm Brogdon 25 minutes. Um, and again, he was you know okay, not great, two out of six, five points, four rebounds, three assists. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, just good to see him back on the court. And um, obviously, he's a guy that you want to get integrated back into that rotation when you look ahead and and figure out, you know, okay, how we're gonna how we're gonna get ready for the playoffs. I'm I'm more worried about the Bucks getting sort of some fluency back in their in their rotation and in their offense uh, more so than resting guys because you know, again, um, I'm not too worried about these guys from a rest standpoint especially given that they probably won't have to play very long um and it didn't sound like didn't sound like jason kidd was too concerned with with finding excuses for resting guys here over the next couple days sure that's that's a fine way to put it uh he you know he did he did not like that question I, again i didn't think he would enjoy that question for me but yeah he, he decided to lay on the sarcastic response pretty thick there so yeah i can't imagine they're gonna rest anyone but i, I guess the most interesting thing with bucks rotations to me is that there's too many guys that there's always been too many guys that's been we've talked about it from i don't know i don't know the first week of the season second week of the season that there's too many guys from four to 13 and not enough separation between their their talents so how do these rotations work what's going to happen and i I guess i'm totally fascinated with what those rotations are going to look like for the playoffs because, I mean, typically rotations shorten up. And I, I think back to the playoffs two years ago, and I think they went mostly with the nine-man rotation, ten-man rotation, maybe. And with this roster and with this team, um, uh, I, I don't know. Because you you look at their starters, you look at Don Maker, um, making him one of your ten is at least a little bit difficult uh, for him to get 13 minutes in a game to, I guess it's always going to be 10 to 15 for Thon to get him 10 to 15 in a playoff game. And then also have to cover 48 minutes at the center position. That means you're going to use up three of your spots at center. But then again, at center, you have to decide between Henson and Hawes as your guy coming off the bench because Hawes has played okay as of late. And John Henson is John Henson. Um, Then you look at the other positions Giannis Slav is going to take a bunch. Middleton will take a bunch. Snell's going to take a bunch. Then Brogdon and Delhi at point. Jet for sure coming off the bench. Then I I don't know. It starts to get hairy at that point. Because, again, you have to decide between Toledovich and Beasley. And then do you play it kind of the way where each of them gets three minutes in the first half and whoever plays better you roll with for the rest of that game. I don't, I'm totally fascinated by what a playoff rotation is going to look like, because as we've seen, when there's a full, a full roster of players to use kid uses a bunch of them and tries to keep all those guys involved. And in the playoffs, that doesn't necessarily matter as much, but it, it is going to be on him to figure out who those guys are for that series, whoever their opponent may be, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But those decisions have to be made. And again, you probably need a, a playoff rotation, a, a, a shorter rotation, a rotation that maximizes every single minute. And I, I don't know, it, it's going to be fascinating if you can afford to give Thonmaker more than 10 minutes a night. Or can you even afford to give one of your 
your 10-ish spots to Thonmaker? Does that throw off everyone else's rhythm? Does that throw everything else into question? And same thing with Toledovich and Beasley. And I don't know, there, there's a ton of stuff that's going to be very fascinating to see on this weekend, on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they ended up playing, what that playoff rotation looks like. Yeah, uh, interesting. Um, Toledovich and Beasley both played 12 minutes a night. Um, so those two guys were, were among the players who, who had forgettable nights. We talked a lot about the guys who played well. Um, those guys were probably the, the two worst guys who played. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think the, the illusion was obviously that Henson would play tonight. Uh, um, and he was in the game and I remember doing anything. But um, I guess we'll see here what, what the decision is moving forward because Spencer Haas has had some pretty solid moments and probably depends a lot on kind of what you're looking for and, and what the matchup looks like because obviously Haas does not bring the same defensive abilities um, and shot blocking that, that Henson does a little bit. Teams have to respect him when he's um, out picking and popping and obviously his passing um, is is probably the he's probably the Bucks' best big man passer uh, from you know those sort of high push sets. Uh, he's he's obviously a pretty skilled guy, but you know, again, it's it's what are you looking for uh, from your big man rotation? And we know Greg Mon- when Greg Monroe will play. Um, it would be, I think, kind of strange at this point if you know you just stop playing Thon Maker altogether, um, given given you know sort of the way that they've used him now for quite some time, and given the team has generally been pretty good, um, you know, with him, I think on the court, I think they've been pretty fine. It's not like they're hemorrhaging points with him on the court and and having to make it up with with Greg Monroe or something like that. So. Um, so yeah, but it'll be interesting to see, and, and obviously curious uh, on Wednesday night in Boston. Um, you know, if uh, if we'll get any more hints, or um, in all likelihood, I'm, I'm guessing we'll we'll see kind of a continued juggling, and um, then we will see uh, in Game One uh, which direction the Bucks go, and and maybe that will come down to matchups a bit. So should we, should we talk about matchups? Lit? Do we do we dare get into uh, sure. what what how this all might shake out? Um, I guess. The most important thing is if you look at the standings, you know things kind of get simple now because we only have one left for most teams. So if we look at the playoff standings right now, uh, there's only the Bucks are in sixth spot. In the sixth spot, there's only one spot they can move up, and that's that's the fifth spot with Atlanta. Um, the Hawks play. I think the the um, who do they have left? They I know they have the uh, the the Pacers in the f- the finishing game of the season. Um, they're the only ones that have two games left. Um, so basically if the Hawks lose both of their games and the Bucks win on Wednesday, then the Bucks can take the fifth seed and I guess lock up a matchup with the Washington Wizards who are fourth. But, um, I don't know if that's likely the Hawks have been playing actually pretty well of late with, especially with those two shocking wins over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, but kind of looking down the standings, you've got the Nina Pacers at 41 and 40, but Bucks have the tiebreaker, so it doesn't matter um, if the Pacers win uh, the final game and and do draw even with the Bucks. If the Bucks lose, Bucks will keep the sixth spot based on tiebreakers. Similarly, um, the Bulls are at forty and forty-one. They can't even match the Bucks in terms of record. And the Heat similarly forty and forty-one. So, I guess the Bucks are are locked into six, right? Am I am I seeing this right? I mean, I'm, we're just kind of doing this on the fly, but it seems like the Bucks are are locked into the sixth spot and. Um, really, the only question is, uh, can it, will Atlanta lose a, lose two games, and can the Bucks win on Wednesday? Otherwise, um, it looks like a, a matchup with the Raptors would would seem to be in the cards, right? Yeah, the Hawks have Charlotte tomorrow night, or I guess Tuesday 
today if you're listening to this on Tuesday. So they have Charlotte, who obviously aren't going to play Kemba Walker. Um, so you would think that's a win. Um, you ha- And then they have the Pacers on Wednesday. And our friend Kale Schoenard, uh said these are the East possible seeds. Um, so I guess we'll start with the Bucks and then go elsewhere. I don't even know if that makes sense. But the Bucks can be the five or the six. Um, so in the possible seeds in the East, five would be Atlanta or Milwaukee, and then six would be Milwaukee or Indiana. And strangely enough, Atlanta can only be five or seven. They can't be six. I'm not 100% sure how that works out. Um, but at the top, one and two can still be decided. Boston and Cleveland still have to figure that out. And then three is for sure Toronto at this point, and four is for sure Washington at this point. So uh, the only way the Bucks can avoid the Raptors is if they can get into the five spot over Atlanta. Um, but that seems quite unlikely with the Hawks schedule of Charlotte and Indiana. Um, that That does not seem like... A very good possibility and that would leave them with the Raptors and again I, I'm not sure I can make this clear enough the Bucks are not going to be the favorites in any series it doesn't matter who of the top four they were going to get the only thing you can really say out of this is okay maybe they could steal more games from this team than another team um, but at this point Toronto or Washington uh, I don't know if I, I love either of those matchups. I know I hate the Toronto one just because the Raptors have owned the Bucks for the last two years. Um, but, yeah, that that seems terrifying that the, the Bucks are, are looking down the barrel at a Toronto Raptors first-round series. Well, you know, it's all relative, right? I mean, terrifying. Eh. I mean, uh, an actual dinosaur would be terrifying. <laughs> uh, the, the basketball Raptors, I mean – or Bucks, Bucks will have nothing to lose. So, um, so I, I think it'll be an interesting series. And we've talked about why, um, you know, Toronto on paper seems a lot better maybe than they were earlier in the season, especially after. Um, I mean, I think maybe the PJ Tucker move is even more valuable than the Baca move in, on some level, um, especially given Demari Carroll hasn't really kind of been the prime Demari Carroll that that they signed him to be a few years ago. Um, but they have a lot of guys that they can sort of throw at the Bucks uh, and Giannis. And obviously with Lowry and DeRozan, they have a couple guys that, you know, are just just really difficult to stop. So I I agree. Tough matchup. Sounds right. And if Frank would have continued talking there and we hadn't lost him, I think he would have said something about how the Raptors already got their one playoff mulligan out of the way uh, against the Bucs as the Bucs did end up getting a victory over the Raptors this season. They did so in the middle of that big winning streak they had, that six-game winning streak they had in the start of March. Uh, they beat the Raptors 101-94. Um, but, of course, the obvious caveat there was that was without Kyle Lowry. And it was, I believe, one of the, the first couple games, I think the first week or two weeks of them not having Lowry before they kind of figured out how to be the Raptors even without Kyle Lowry again. So uh, that uh, obviously for the Bucks was something that they were able to take advantage of and uh, they were able to pull out that game 101-94. Uh, if you remember that game, they had a 41-point second quarter um, and they just kind of ended up being in control there. So uh, we'll see if the Bucks can do that again against the Raptors, but yeah, the, it's just not a team that they they've really matched up well against this year. Um, and like I said before, it, it's not a team they've matched up well against in the last two years. Uh, the Raptors have had their number. And what I mean by that is 
the Bucks have won just once against the Raptors in the last two years, and that was that last game that I, I was talking about. Before that, it was seven straight for the Raptors, and there's some ugly losses in there. Uh, this year, they had the 105-99 loss, uh, and that was a game where the Bucks were close late but couldn't close it out at the start of the season where, where they were kind of struggling with it. And then last year, you had a game in Toronto that was 90-83, to but... Other than that, you're looking at a 16-point loss, 102-86 in January of this year. Uh, You're looking at a 107-89 loss in March of last year. You're looking at a 106-87 loss uh, in November of last year. You're looking at a a 21-point loss, 111-90 around Christmas last season. And then a 122-100 loss uh, in December of this season. So, that's a lot of games that the Bucks lost by a whole lot to this Raptors team. It's just not a team that they play particularly well. And uh, it's a team that moves the ball so well. It makes the Bucks work so hard that they just struggle against them. And um, it, it's just a, it's a tough matchup. And like Frank said, they're, they're not actually terrifying. Uh, the, the Bucks aren't going to die from playing them but this is it's a bad matchup it's a team that uh the bucks have really struggled against so we'll we'll have to see if they can they can do anything better and maybe something crazy happens with the hawks and the bucks don't even have to see them but that seems very unlikely so uh we'll see uh just wanted to close this out the bucks win uh they've locked up a winning season they are now Guaranteed 42 wins on the year. Uh, They could get 43 in Boston on Wednesday, but if not, uh, a winning season. And that's the first time that's happened since the Fear of the Deer season in 09-10. And it's just kind of... Kind of crazy to see this Bucks team be a winning team. And uh, after the game, when I asked Giannis about it, he he said it is a a big deal. It is a thing that matters to them that... uh, He's never gone out and won 42 games before. That's not something uh, he's done before, and that that's exciting for him. And I guess if the team thinks that's a big deal, and uh, as a fan, I, I think it, it is it is exciting to see a team play over 500 basketball. It's not something that we've seen a lot of from the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, exciting stuff. They win that game. And uh, as we close out, I just want to apologize for the audio quality. Uh, Frank and I had some problems getting ourselves uh, together on Skype. So uh, there's there's probably some spots in this podcast where you were wondering exactly what was being said, or maybe something didn't make total sense in the way that it was said um, and that was just because of our connection I tried to clean it up on the backside with some editing and some fun stuff um, so we're sorry we tried um, and we failed no I'm just kidding um, hopefully it wasn't too bad hopefully you still got something out of this and hopefully you'll be back tomorrow because we will be back tomorrow and we'll have a better Skype connection so we'll be we'll be all good we'll be ready to go and we'll be ready to get you prepared for the Bucks season finale against the Celtics in Boston. So uh, we'll get you ready for that one. Then we'll get you ready for the playoffs. And it's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a fun couple. I'm not going to say a couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun week for sure after after the regular season. Maybe maybe it'll be a couple of weeks uh, if the Bucks can win a couple and uh, stretch that out a little bit. But we'll be here with you every single day. And we thank you for listening. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Locked On Bucks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Fall has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.